Good morning, everyone. Today, I would like to talk to you about stewardship. Why? For one, Cam chose the topic. But two, is that stewardship is a part of our daily life. Sorry, I'm having this in my way. There we go. So, before we begin, what is stewardship? For me, it's the responsibility and care of something. When I think about that, it's like being given a newborn baby. It's like being given a great honor, something that you feel like you don't deserve, and yet it has been given to you. But it can also be nerve-wracking, because there are going to be serious consequences for not taking care of what you have been given. Second Corinthians 9.6 For whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Forever sows generously will also reap generously. Another great example of bad stewardship is Thor. In the beginning of the movie, we see him as young, brash, and ignorant. We also see him start a war just to defend his pride. So his father decides to send him, to banish him actually, to earth for his bad stewardship. Skipping forward, we see him fighting his way through a compound of secret agents and then proudly reaches his hammer, but then tries to pick it up, but fails. He realizes that his father has placed a spell on it to teach him, about, to teach him a lesson about good stewardship. Fast forwarding, we see him sacrifice himself for the one that he loves. And then out of nowhere, his hammer comes flying in and he defeats a giant killer suit sent by his evil brother, Loki. <sighs> After that, he goes back to his home world to defeat his brother, but then has to make a tough decision to save a planet that he once hated or to have the ability to see the one that he most loves. He decides to save the planet. In the beginning, you wish Spider-Man could have been there to say, with great power comes great responsibility. Next, I will read to you a parable which parallels this example. As you version loads. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be, like ten, will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but, then, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took the oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us. And you, ugh. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, other also, later the others also came, 
Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Sorry, my bad. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. So we see that five of them showed good stewardship and reaped the rewards, while the other five did their stewardship poorly and paid the price. What if we do the same as the wise? Will we reap the same, if not better, rewards than the wise? I am, proudly, I am proud to say to you, yes, you will reap the same, if not better, rewards than the wise. An example of good stewardship was on the first prayer night I ever went to. I felt God called me to pray for others that night. So I wrote on two sticky notes these words, I can and I will pray for you. I wore one on my chest here, and then I wore one on my back. That night, four guys came up to me and asked if I could pray for them. I said yes, and we all huddled together like a football team preparing for their next play. I prayed for each and every one of them separately, and then I prayed for them as a group. I felt honored by it because two of them were moving to different cities. That night, I look back and I see that I showed good stewardship of my skills in praying and leadership by simply being there for them. So how do we apply this? So how do we apply good stewardship, sorry? Are we to treat, we are to treat others, that, sorry, we are to treat what God has given us with joy and humility, to do it with care and wisdom and not with fear, because God will always help us. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you so much for sharing, Noah. That was awesome. Good job. Good morning, Capitol. Got a joke for you guys today. Hopefully it's not too painful of a joke. My grandfather was always trying to warn people that the Titanic was going to sink. He would actually go around yelling at them, the Titanic is going to sink, and they wouldn't listen to him no matter how many times he would yell at them. No matter how loud he would say it, no matter how many times he said it, they would always just end up kicking him out of the movie theater. <laughs> Noah mentioned the parable of the ten virgins, and that's in the first 13 verses of Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to talk about the parable of the talents or the bags of gold, which comes immediately next. But before we get into it, before we read the scripture or talk about it, I want to start off with a video. Um, so give your attention here. It's a there YouTube video. There are often homeless oh. people asking for change and freeway exit ramps. But recently, there's been this guy with an interesting sign at I-71 and Hudson Street. His handwritten sign says he has the God-given gift of a great voice. Hey, I'm going to make you work for your dollar. Say something with that great radio voice. When you're listening to nothing but the best of oldies, you're listening to Magic 98.9. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. And we'll be back with more right after these words. <laughs> and don't forget, tomorrow morning is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see this man live in concert. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, when I was 14 years old, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. When I was 14, I kind of listened to one of our area radio announcers. 
And uh, I went as a field trip to go meet the guy, and he looked nothing like what he sounded like. So I asked him about that, and he said to me, listen, radio is defined theater of mind. And so when he said theater of mind, I just said, well, hey, I can't be an actor, I can't be an on-air personality, but the voice just became something of, uh, of a development over years, and I went to school for it. And then alcohol and drugs and a few other things became a part of my life. And I got two years clean, and I'm trying hard to get it back, and hopefully somebody from one of these television or radio says, hey, I need a voiceover, or I, I need something. So, you know, I'm hoping one day, watch Family Guy, weeknights at 7.30 on Fox 28. They're all uh, real quickly, we actually forgot to dismiss to the Chinese service next door, so if there's anybody who would like to attend that, it's right through those doors over there, the Chinese service next door. Uh, this is a YouTube video that was posted in 2011, right? Eight years ago now. And this guy's name is Ted. And it's, it's sad, but it's a powerful example of failing to be a good steward. He was given the gift of an amazing voice. He even had chances to train for it. He perfected it. He had a career out of it, and he wasted it. He had opportunities to use that gift, and he threw it away. Now, I promise I'm not using this video as a guilt trip, okay? I'm not using this video to make you feel like, oh, oh you better listen, otherwise something bad like that might happen to you. Now, I have a different reason, but you're going to have to wait to the end to find out what the reason is. I've broken this parable of the talents up into three parts. I think I have them here. Why should we be stewards of these things? Why should we take care of the gifts God has given us? How can we be good stewards? And what if you don't want to? Can you say no? What if you don't want anything to do with it? What happens then? Now, before we go any further, I want to say one more thing. I think many of you know all of the gifts that we've been made stewards of, all of the things God has given us, the earth our bodies, our relationships, our time, your skills, your spiritual gifts, most importantly, your treasures in heaven, which is actually what this parable mainly applies to. But we're going to look at it a little differently this morning. So don't forget about any of those. I want you to keep all those in the back of your head. But as we look at the parable, I want us to see if there's any new information we can learn about it. And I'm going to use an example to show you what I mean. If I gave you a pair of gloves, a pair of red and blue gloves, and I told you, you know what, take care of these gloves. I want you to be a good steward of these gloves. You might know what I've given you. You might see them. You might receive them. But you may not know why it's important. If I give you a little more information, uh, you can go to the next picture and I tell you that, well, these gloves belong to my wife's grandfather. He gave them as a gift to her. Now, all of a sudden, the importance of the gift becomes a little clearer. Maybe if you spend more time with me, you get to know a little bit more. You find out that last November, he passed away. And my wife and I and our kids got to go see him before he died. He gave those gloves as a gift to Caitlin. This is a picture of my son, Cassius, with his great-grandfather, David. That's four generations represented in that picture there. Now, all of a sudden, the importance is crystal clear. So we're going to read, and then we're going to pray, 
sorry, <laughs> we're going to pray, and then we're going to read this passage, but I want you guys to think and listen for any new information as to why these gifts are so important. Why should we be good stewards of them? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for everybody here. We thank you for all the youth who stepped up today to help lead. And we thank you for everybody downstairs as well. We know you're in control of every part. Thank you for giving us these gifts to take care of. And I pray that we would open our hearts and our ears to understand why they're so important. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 25. With verses 14 and 15. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his way. So what are we stewards of? Well, clearly something that first belonged to God because he entrusted them with it right there in verse 14. He first gave it to them. This reminds us that anything that we have is not because of our own efforts. It's not from anything that we've done. It's from God. And secondly, we're in charge of something that's very valuable. To give you guys a quick Roman financial study, the term he uses in some translations is talent. Talent was a term of measurement for weight of silver or gold, most likely silver. One talent was a lot of money. And Jesus, in this parable, doesn't use random amounts. I'm going to tell you guys how much this is. At that time, an unskilled laborer, right, not a centurion or a legionnaire in the military, just an unskilled laborer working a full day's work would earn about one, denari, one denarius a day. Right? That's, that's his pay for one day. One talent of silver equals how much denaries? Anybody know? Any guesses? 6,000. Okay? That's how much he gave the third servant was one talent. If you do the math, right, working six days a week, resting on the seventh, maybe 50 weeks working out of the year, maybe two weeks for a holiday or Passover, you come out to 6,000 denarii is 20 years worth of pay is what he just gave to the servant. That's the smallest amount he gave. To put that in modern-day terms, you guys, uh, that would be about anywhere from 300000 to 500000 U.S. dollars just given to him. So it's valuable, very, very valuable. And also, in verse 15, we see that we are given something according to each of our abilities. The master knows the servants just as God knows us. And he tailor makes and custom fits your gifts for you. They're not arbitrary. The amounts that the master gave to the servants were not random. He knew what each servant was capable of, and so he gave them exactly what they should have. Let me go on to verses 16 and 17. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded them. And gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received the two talents gained two more. So here we see that we are stewards of a gift that is made to be used, to be spent, to be traded. And when you do that, it multiplies. It becomes greater. McLaren's commentary uses the example 
of the seed, the grain, that a farmer collects from his crop. Now, if that farmer takes all of the seed and puts it in one place in a granary, a silo, a barn, he just leaves it there. If enough time passes, it's going to collect bugs. It's going to start to rot. The bugs will eat the seed. It'll go to waste. But if you take that same seed and you throw it in the wind, you scatter it over the mountains, over the fields, it's going to grow. It's going to produce more seed. It's even going to feed the farmer. It's a gift that has to be used. McLaren says it this way, the right use of God's gifts and grace makes them all the more abundant in our hands. Moving on to verse 18. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Every time I hear this, it seems so Foolish and so silly. He wasted what was given to him. Didn't even use it. It seems so foolish and so silly, it actually reminds me a little bit of myself. Specifically a time when I was on the bus riding back to the campus with my college friends in England. Um, we lived, I think I have a picture. Yes, yeah, so you'll understand the picture in a moment. There's London. Then north of London, there's Manchester, and north of Manchester is the middle of nowhere before Scotland, Carnforth. That's where our college was. Very small, 100 students, nothing to do. The closest city was, I think, 30, 40-minute bus ride away, and we'd go there once a week. And so we were on our way back. We were about to get on the bus, and a gum or a mint company was doing some advertising, and they had these boxes of hundreds, maybe thousands of pieces of gum. They were giving them out, promoting this new mint flavor they had just made. And they saw this bus full of college students. They thought, what better way to promote our new brand? Raise loyal customers. So they gave us like three boxes of gum. So we get on the bus, we get on our way, and we're bored. College students on a bus, we're like, you know what? Let's have a contest to see who can chew the most pieces of gum. So everybody has them. We're breaking pieces. One, two three, start getting in 15, 20. By the time you hit 20, some of the other people were dropping out. Me and the people closer were like staying in 25, 30. starts to get hard to chew. And get up to about 40, 45, my mouth is starting to hurt. And now there's only a couple other people doing the contest with me. And I started seeing they were going to waste these wads of gum. I didn't want them to waste it, so I said, here, give it to me, I'll add it to my wad of gum that I'm chewing. <laughs> and so my other friend, he wasn't participating, he was writing down, so I'd say, how many is this? He'd say, 15. I'd say, okay, add 15. So he'd add it up. How many is this? And it's 20. So I was going 50, 55, 65, 68, adding more and more. It got up to 80, I couldn't chew anymore. It got up to 80, I was salivating so much, I had drool all over my hands, and I would have to take it out to rest every now and then was still adding in wads of gum from other people. And a couple people had moved seats away from me at this point. <laughs> I don't know why. When we got to 100, it was about this size. I couldn't even close my mouth over it. It was very painful. I think our final tally was like 111 or 120, something ridiculous. It was disgusting. It looked about triple the size of that. That was the best picture I could find to show you guys. 
I was foolish, <laughs> just like the servant. I wasted a lot of my time in college, just like the servant wasted his time. I just left it in the ground. It probably wasn't a good use of my body either. My jaw hurt for three days afterwards. <laughs> Couldn't chew right. And I know it was a waste of gum. The point is, it's really easy to see when somebody else is making a mistake, when they're in the wrong. But for whatever reason, this servant felt that this was the right choice, and he made it. And I think oftentimes in our own lives, we make the same choice. We just don't realize it at the time until we look back on it. The last point for why we should take care of these gifts is actually hidden in verse 19. Let's read it. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Right? Most people skip over this. What you miss here is those three words. Oh, sorry, four words. After a long time. After a long time. What Jesus is using this, exp- uh, this parable to explain is the kingdom of heaven. Right? So after a long time, the master returns. That's an example for Jesus coming back in Revelations. So those four words actually span hundreds, if not thousands of years. We don't know exactly how much time that is, but that's the time that's been given to us. And the point Jesus makes in this and the previous parable, and the point I'm making now, is we are stewards of that time. We can sit around, just like with the gifts, you can sit around and do nothing with your time, or you can use it, and you can prepare for his arrival, just like the two servants did. The time is now. So why should we take care of the gifts that he has given us? Well, first of all, they're from him. They're from God. Second, they're immeasurably valuable. Third, they're handmade for you. They're given each according to your ability. They're gifts that are to be used, and they're gifts that are to be used right now, at this point in time. All right, next let's see how we can be good stewards. Verses 20 through 23. The one who had received the five talents came and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So the first thing we see, the first thing out of the servant's lips is remarkable. Master, you entrusted me. Right? Already, it's about God. Not look at what I have for you. Look at what I did. Look at what I made. Not me, me, me. It's you, you, you. It's a spirit of humility, but also of gratitude and thankfulness for what God first gave to them. And second, when the master compliments him, what does he say? He doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant, right? He doesn't say that. Good and faithful. Jesus doesn't bless them because of their results. He blesses them because of the faithfulness that led to those results. He doesn't bless them because of their actions, right? He blesses them because of the motives behind their actions. It's faithfulness. And that's how a good steward must live, faithfully. Luke 16.10 says, 
he who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Next, we see the reward. For both servants, it's the same because, again, Jesus doesn't bless the results or the quantity of the results, but rather the motive and the quality of the results. Both servants were faithful according to their ability, and so both were blessed. But more surprisingly, both were content with what they'd been given. Neither of them compared or complained about what they had or what the other one had. McLaren uses the example of a mirror reflecting uh, the brilliant, blinding brightness of the sun, right? And what he says is that it doesn't matter if you are a tiny shard of a broken mirror or a massive, glorious mirror, you're both reflecting the same light. So how can we be good stewards of what we've been given? First, by always giving thanks for what God first gave us. Second, by focusing not on our results, but on our faithfulness, the condition of our heart, which also means being content with what you have been given, not comparing, looking around at others. Because when you're content, you realize that no matter how small you are, when you reflect God's love, you do so as brightly as anybody else. Finally, what happens if we don't want to be stewards? Can you say no? Can you just leave it? Can you bury it in the ground, cover it up, see what happens? Let's find out. Verses 24 to 25, and the one, and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid, went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. So first off, we hear a completely different tone and attitude and perspective. There's almost some arrogance in there, and there's definitely some ignorance. Because if this is the same master from the previous verses, then clearly this servant doesn't know his master. Contrary to what he just said, I knew you to be a hard man. The second, when he gives back that talent, you can almost picture him spitting after he says it. You can almost picture him throwing the gold or silver into the ground at the master's feet saying, here, you can have it back. But what's funny is he thinks it's done. He thinks, I've given it back to you now. We're good. But that's not the case. Right? Because if you take that gift and you bury it in the ground and you leave it, that gold or that silver, over time, it depreciates. Right? It can corrode. It can rust. No matter what he does, if it's unused, that gift will never be as valuable as when it was given to him. No matter what he does. McLaren puts it like this, a life not devoted to God is never carried back to him unspoiled. Matthew 6, 24 says, no man can serve two masters. And it's true. When I think of the servant burying the gold like that, it reminds me of Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. When he first gets the ring, Gandalf tells him to hide it, right? He hides it in his home. And Gandalf runs in and asks him later, is it secret? Is it safe? Right? And it's this dangerous thing, this powerful but also valuable treasure. And Frodo wants nothing to do with it at first. He doesn't want to risk anything 
So he hides it away. And I think that's how this servant viewed the money. It was wrong, but that's how he viewed it. And he thought because he gave it back, it was all good. Let's see what happens next. Verses 26 through 30. The master answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So much here is important. Let's unpack it. First, the master uses his own logic against him, right? He says, if that's true, if I was a harsh master, if you actually knew me and you believed that like you say you do, it still doesn't make sense what you did. You would have gone out and invested it in a bank. So he condemns him. Foolish, lazy, wicked. And after condemning him, he takes what he has. He takes what he gave to him. But that's not all that that's doing because actually after he takes that from the servant, what does he have left? Nothing. When you think about it, all that we have is what God has given us. And if he takes that away, you have nothing. There is nothing else. So he condemns him. And then he takes what he has, but he doesn't just take it. He gives it to one of the other servants. And after condemning him, after taking away what he has, he's still not done. He casts him out of his home into the darkness. And it's a dark, dark line, the closing sentence. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's one of the darkest lines spoken by the sweetest lips. That's what McLaren says. And Jesus made this sentence, and he uses it many times in the Bible to try to communicate the pain and the suffering of hell. So can you say no? Yeah, you can say no. You can choose not to be a steward. You can throw away the gift that you were given, but you will be condemned. What you have will be taken, and you will be cast out. It's kind of a dark note to end on. And I don't like to do that because I think God is a God of love. So, like I promised you guys, I want to show you why I showed you the video in the beginning. So that was in 2011. This is five years later in 2016. And that video went viral. The first one that you guys watched, it's called The Guy with the Golden Voice. That got 44 million views on YouTube at the time in 2011. And it caused something to happen in the guy's life. So let's see. Satisfied right then and there. When people see me, they see an act of God. They also see that God is still alive and he's still working modern day miracles. I really do feel that he who was homeless will lead the homeless home. I don't want people to think of me as I left this earth that I was a crackhead. I want them to, to see the impact. And I want my grandkids to look on YouTube and see some of the things that they and Papa was proud of that did. And, and I, I'm not gonna sell myself short for anything because God gave me this for a reason. And that reason is to be here to talk to you, to tell you, to keep me in your prayers.
This is Friends of the Homeless. It's a shelter that was here when I needed it. One of the big things that I know that many of these guys suffer from, as well as me back in the day, were socks. We didn't have any. Today, I'm going to give back some socks. Love you, brother. Love you. You know I do. I was right there at the head of the line waiting for my hand down. So this is where I have a lot of loyalties now. <laughs> it's just exciting to meet the people and to embrace them with hugs and all of that stuff because they know that I was just five years ago in the same situations that they were. Five years ago, I held a sign that said, I have a God-given gift of voice. I'm an ex-radio announcer who's fallen on hard times. Please, any help would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and God bless. You know, if I was asked to rewrite that sign today, it would say, I have a God-given gift of voice. Acknowledge him in all my ways, and he will direct my path. Thank you, and God bless. We're all called to be stewards of the grace that God has shown to us and also the gifts that he's given to us. But he's also given us time to use those gifts. And we don't know exactly how much time, but he hopes that it's enough time for each and every one of us to accept those gifts, to take care of them, and then use them with the people around you. To close today, I want to read a poem by John Milton called, When I Consider How My Light Is Spent. John Milton was the author of Paradise Lost. And when he wrote this poem, he was questioning, you can come up here, he was questioning, am I using my time the right way? And he had to remind himself that God doesn't even need man's works or gifts, but he desires them and they bring him glory. So as you listen to this poem, I want you guys to ask yourselves, why do you want to be a good steward? Because your motive makes all the difference. And my mom is going to read it for me because... She studied literature in college, and she knows how to read poems in a special way. <laughs> when I consider how my light is spent, ere half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent, which is death to hide, lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker and present my true account, lest he returning chide, Doth God exact day labor light denied, I fondly ask. But patience to prevent that murmur soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts. Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding speed and post or land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we love you. And this morning we just remember all the things that you've given us. We thank you for it. We pray you'd show us what to do with it. How do we take care of it? Reveal to us why these things are important to you and make them important to us as well. We pray we wouldn't waste what we've been given, but we would use it with the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.